Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Zulani Kelly. And today we're doing Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, so the second one. So why don't we start with just some of your general reactions. So first of all, did you like this better than the first? Because I know you were saying last time that like the first one wasn't your favorite, but you were like, it made you want to see the second. So did it like live up to your expectations? Yeah, yeah, I liked it better than the first because the characters were already established. I was sad to see the comedic, comedic in quotes, the comedic duo back. I, I said before, I don't like comedic duos in movies like this or like any children's movie. They have never been funny to me. Yeah, I was noticing this time when like I was looking back through it, I was like, wow, yeah, they really did not need to be here at all yeah. like they give him a couple moments but yeah i knew you were gonna be upset when they came back <laughs> yeah i don't even remember them joining jack's crew but whatever and they were also still trying to like be evil and be pirate and stuff like when they tried to take the boat and leave the crew or when they tried to take the chest from Jack, uh, Will, and the Commodore while they, the three of them were fighting, and Elizabeth had to chase after them. It's like, why are they here? Yeah, it, it could have done without them, for sure. I don't remember when Jack became part of that tribe. Maybe I missed something in the beginning. I guess I was doing something else. Yeah, um, No, you did, you did not miss anything there. That just kind of happens. I don't what? even think there was, like, a deleted scene that explained it. It's just pretty much like they made for land they got there and he used his charisma to just make them obey him basically <laughs> that's i think that's what you're supposed to like assume from that there's there's nothing you missed there well okay then i still don't know who these movies are for i guess middle schoolers even though like i don't know if that should be marketed towards them i mean I, I don't know i guess it depends on the middle school you said you started watching these in middle school right yeah i think i saw the i think i saw all four of them at some point in sixth grade but i liked them throughout it so i've been thinking about like the who is it for question since we talked about the first one and i know i answered on the first one with kind of like they didn't know maybe although like that's more speculation than anything i think it was maybe like for this one i feel like maybe they didn't care exactly who it was for they were just like it worked on the last one let's let's keep going with it because mm -hmm. you know and l like we were saying like disney now kind of has that disney pg-13 movie thing down and they didn't at this point so like you know, now you see very, like, bloodless action in, like, all the Marvel and Star Wars movies, which was kind of true of those before Disney got to them, but I feel like they even kind of, like, they're trying to play to kids now with their, like, all-family content. But I do agree, it's it doesn't feel like they're going... They're trying to, like, not commit to being a kid's movie or an, like, adult movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, d I really don't mind, but it is unclear, for sure. That's such a specific target. That's so weird. 
Because there was some, like, dark imagery and implications, like the crew's bones being used for cages. Or, like, like half the crew's bones being used for cages. They were like, where do they get these cages from? And one of the pirates was like, well, they didn't have these before our crew got here. It's like, yo, what? Mm-hmm. The other half of Jack's crew falling to their deaths in the bone cage? Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it is PG-13, so whatever. But, like, there's still a lot of death and such in here. Yeah, I I have things I want to say because I've been doing a lot of research the past couple weeks on the MPAA rating system. But I want to save that for when we actually talk about that because... Mm. There are many things that I've found out that play into that, maybe a bit. Mm. There was also the Kraken scene. Well, the first one, at least, was terrifyingly awesome. And then there's this thing I'm not like, well, it is kind of terrifying. There's something called the last phobia, where it's like fear of open sea. But my fear isn't the water itself but like what might be in the water so i just imagine being dragged by a giant tentacle into the depths of the ocean to be drowned or eaten by this giant squid thing that you can't really do much about unless you're a main character so (laughs) well even Um, then it seems like yeah i mean yes they have plot armor but we we will definitely talk about the kraken because i freaking love the kraken yeah the island scene with the wheel sword fight and Davy Jones' crew versus Liz and the duo was also pretty fire. Like, I enjoyed that, too. When uh, yeah. the Commodore and Will were fighting on the wheel and Jack was inside and then Liz and the duo kept calling for the sword and fighting off Davy Jones' crew while trying to keep the chest from them. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. So the action was way more easy to... Well, just easier for me to follow in this. Like, even with the wheel and all those cuts on that, like, I could kind of understand what was happening. Interesting ending. I I think it was kind of spoiled for me, but I forgot before I saw it. Barbosa being alive, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you get shot in the chest and then still live after you're supposed to die? Like, you saw the blood and everything, so what's he doing? Yeah, so there's a there's a bit of an explanation for that. So there was a post credit scene in the first one, I think, where the monkey goes back and like grabs a coin from the chest, and then and that explains why the monkey's still undead at the start of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they go to um, Tia Dalma, and I guess like y- you'll hear it in the third movie. There's like a little bit of a line that's just like she brought him back but it is very underexplained like mm. i think they j- just wanted him back cuz i guess people liked him from the first one and stuff like that i don't know mm. there's no real explanation for how that happens it's just kind of like pirate magic shit so mm. <laughs> but overall better than the first even if the ending was conclusive it was kind of like a part 1 like Infinity War, the Avengers will return. Jack and his crew will return. Yes, I was waiting for you to bring up Infinity War. Yeah. Even though it could be a movie complete on its own, kinda. 
I know this is the part one. I didn't know it was a part one going in. I thought by the end everything would be solved. I was like, oh, two hours, they'll they'll have solved everything by then. No, it was two and a half hours, my bad. But they'll have solved everything by then. And then, you know, I was at the two hour and five minute mark. And I was like, uh, Davy Jones is still alive, y'all. Y'all don't have a plan or nothing. And then Barbosa came back in the end. And I was like, oh, okay then. So Yeah, yeah, you could really feel, I mean... Yes, when you watch it for the first time, of course, it's and don't know what's going to happen, you don't know. But once you see it, like you can really tell that they were making this knowing they were going to make a third. Mm. So what all did you know about this one before seeing it? Because I know you mentioned last time that like you knew you'd like seen Davy Jones or whatever. Was there anything else you maybe knew about it? Uh, I knew about the Kraken. I remember seeing, like, maybe a part of the movie because my dad was watching it. I remember once I saw the Kraken, I remembered I knew about the Kraken. But before he even mentioned it, I completely forgot that it would be in this movie. Or I actually kind of didn't know. Maybe I, I just knew it would pop up at some point. I don't know. That, and I, I saw, I think... I don't know where it got spoiled for me. Maybe on the, it was either on the cover or I looked up the cast and it was on in the cast of one of them that Barbosa comes back or mm-hmm. that the actor was in the next movie. Yeah, because I think he's on the poster for four and five at least. Mm. So yeah, that I'm not surprised that got spoiled for you. Did you feel differently at all about Norrington in this one? Because... I feel like he's a lot better in this one. I agree with your assessment from the first movie that he's like kind of bland with it, but I feel like he's a lot better here. So did your opinion on him change at all? Not by much. Like, I think they tried, but I just don't care. Um, It sucks he lost his Commodore ship, but like, oh well. I don't relate to this character. I don't really care about this character but i appreciate them trying to give him something yeah i just think it's cool that he comes out on top at the end because you just i I feel like no one would have seen that coming oh yeah wait he's the one that gives he gives the heart to the new jerk in charge right yeah beckett Mm -hmm. oh yeah he does i forgot about that he he went he wins yeah, I mean, I agree that, like, he's still not, like, the most interesting, but they make him more of an opportunist in this mm-hmm. one. So like Jack. Yeah. Yeah, and it took me a while to figure out that he was him, because, like I said, I didn't finish the first movie before watching this one. Mm-hmm. So when he showed up in, in this, I just thought he was some guy, and I, I feel like I remember, it was a long time ago, but, like, watching when he's like digging out the chest and the three-way sword fight i was like wait who's that guy like i i had no idea it was him but yeah that's sort of anecdotal Mm -hmm. do you have any predictions or just thoughts on the third one i gotta win so it'll just be part two of this half of a movie davy jones is probably gonna get stopped or died the same way Barbosa was supposed to or a similar way. I don't know how they're going to stop the Kraken because they've tried, they tried twice already. 
burned his tentacles and he keeps coming back and it's like well yeah i should probably just give up on having squid for dinner tonight <laughs> I, I I know for a fact Beckett is about to betray somebody, and it's probably Norrington. Look, I brought you the heart. Oh, that's nice. Take him to jail. Wait, on what charges? I don't know. I'm the I'm a villain in this, <laughs> in these movies. I'm I'm a bad guy because you can because I'm a higher up, so I have to be. So corporate oversight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I have a feeling he's gonna betray somebody because you know he he's been shown not to be a good person right they've been throwing it in our faces and beating us up with it that he's not you know supposed to trust him or like him yeah Dave david jones has to get beaten at some point and also the effects didn't age as well as i thought they did really yeah well davy jones did but his crew, if you look, if you were to look at like the hammerhead shark guy, he don't look too good, my boy. He, uh... okay, yeah. I, I think I'm a little bit maybe maybe I have nostalgia bias for this. I think this movie looks gorgeous between like between CGI and even just like some of the locations they picked. Like it just looks great somehow. Yes. That's fair. Even, like, when they're just standing around on Ila Crusades, I'm like, these are just, like, I could just watch the whole movie here. And it, it looks awesome somehow. Mm-hmm. Did you, you at least thought that, like, the Kraken and Davy Jones looked good, though. Right? Yeah. Davy okay. Jones more than the Kraken. And I was also eating when I was watching part of this movie, and I shouldn't have done that, because Davy Jones looks gross. Okay. But they did a good job making him look gross. Yeah, I I love his design. Like he just looks so cool, and like the way his tentacles like act with him. Yeah, is, I I think that's cool. What's his accent? Because I feel like they the actor who is ever acting him keeps changing it, and it's annoying me. So Bill Nye's the actor. I don't know what to call the accent. I've never minded. I love listening to that accent. You don't even know what it is. I I don't care that much. Like it just, he's so cool. I don't I feel like, like sometimes he's Scottish, then Irish, then British, and it's like, yo, pick a European. But like, it, he sounds so cool with it. Like I am the sea. Like how is that not so cool to you? Like it's so. Oh, I love it. No, I won't argue that. I, it's like, yeah, maybe he should pick a lane, but that does not bother me one bit. Did you have uh, any more reactions? No. I feel like people in this movie are being decisive and pretty smart, especially the villains. I'm really shocked that the villains in these movies are comprehensive and able to figure stuff out. Like, normally in movies by, well, I'm not going to say Disney, but just movies directed towards, kind of towards kids in general is just, it's, the villains are not like evil masterminds or anything. Mm-hmm. These guys are at least comprehensive and you know calculating and you know I I admire that from these movies. Like Barbosa was, I was like, yo, how are they going to take this guy down? He's like figuring everything out. He knew they were he was going to be ambushed and all this stuff. And yeah, that's cool to see. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know what? Let's like I was planning to save this for later, but why don't we just get into the villains now since we're talking about them? Mm. I hadn't really thought of them as being smart, but I think now that you mention it, like even the henchmen in this one, like the other Dutchman crew members, they're all like and a lot of times, like you're saying, like even if the villain in a kid's movie isn't like stupid, he'll have some dumb advisor henchman mm -hmm. that like screws everything up and like I always hate that. For the sake of being funny, too. It's exactly, exactly. Never funny. And, like, occasionally it'll work, but mm -hmm. very rarely. But, yeah, like, even in this one, like, even that guy, I don't know what his name is, but the one with the hermit crab head that Jack, like, knocks off Oh yeah, him. on the island, like, even he was, like, pretty smart in, mm -hmm. in those scenes. Like, yeah, they were playing him for laughs, but it wasn't him just being stupid. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're good henchmen. They got Which the chest. Which is rare to see. Mm -hmm. They just didn't know the heart wasn't in it. But, you know, they got the chest. That's what counted. Like, they got what they came there to do. Yeah. Yeah, they're good at it. And, you know, even... I guess Norrington's not a henchman, but he is a villain. And he was, like... I mean, he outsmarts everyone by the end. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, outsmarts is maybe a little bit strong, but, you know, he's... He just knows the heart is in the jar of dirt. Yeah, but, like, he was, you know, aware enough to do that, and mm -hmm. it really does elevate it. In the height of a battle. Yeah, it's good, like, street smarts. That That's part of why I, like, I, I liked him better in this. I, I don't think it's, like, it makes him a better character overall, but he's more interesting to watch in this one than the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, with Beckett also, since we're talking about Norrington, like, he is kind of replacing Norrington in mm. this one, but I think they do make some distinct differences with him. Like, for one thing, you know, we had Norrington at the end kind of, like, lets Jack go and sort of gives up, and we get the sense right away that Beckett is not going to be swayed by, like, any kind of personal loyalty or anything like that. He's just like, the law is the law. And mm -hmm. Norrington is like that for most of the first one, but like his key moment is when he's not. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed with him too is a major difference between him and Norrington is he believes in all like the pirate myths and stuff. He's not just like looking to find power in general, which I mean, he is, but he wants the heart of Davy Jones. And like, the whole time throughout the first movie and even into this one, Norrington's like, oh, all this like pirate myth stuff is total bollocks. Like mm -hmm. this is like, why are we chasing after some like old wives tale myth, whatever. And Beckett believes in all of it. He's like, this is how I gain an advantage. I'm going to go for it. Mm -hmm. it. It's interesting to make him like a believer because yeah. a, a character who's like, of the law like him you, you normally wouldn't, wouldn't expect that yeah i feel like he was he's what norrington might have was supposed maybe supposed to be in the first one that it's cool they added like you said it's cool they added the little quirk of him uh him being into and believing all this pirate stuff but other than that he's kind of he's also kind of bland to me yeah i think you i mean they don't spend a lot of time with him in this they have like he's there at the beginning he's there at the end and i think there's one scene with him in the middle with governor swan that's just like a little it's it's just like a tiny plot moment 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if your opinion's going to change on him in the third, but he has a lot more to do in the third one. Mm. One thing that he and Davy Jones, though, I think are like really good in how they're constructed, though, is they're like perfectly designed to be villains to Jack. In that scene on the Trader Island in the first movie, Jack's like describing talking about like how he views the pearl as like its freedom and that's why he's so dedicated to it like it's not just that he has a boat it's like when he's on the ocean and he has his own ship that is freedom for him and both of these villains combined are there to take away the freedom of being a pirate Mm -hmm. like collectively they control the land and the sea so he's got nowhere to run Mm. So, I liked that construction. I don't know that they're, like, the best villains ever. What's Davy Jones' goal? Like, what's he trying to do? So, he's kind of like... His ship is kind of like a purgatory thing. He picks up sailors who are, like, going to die at sea. And gives them the choice to either go to their death or serve him for a hundred years. That's that scene with Will when he gets picked up by mm-hmm. the Dutchman originally. And oh, like, and he's asking people if they want to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's his whole deal. And like it's he's only allowed to go to land every once every ten years. So it's more of a curse for him than anything else. I, at least I think. I don't really know if it ever gets into the origins of how he became that. I, and I think that's from some kind of, like, pirate mythology. Like, I don't think they made up him as an idea Davey for this Jones? movie. Nah, he's from Spongebob, bro. Okay, uh, I, I never watched Spongebob. No, I'm, so. I'm kidding. I mean, he is, like, there's a ghost called the Flying Dutchman in Spongebob. He's, like, always trying to take people to Davy Jones's locker. So... I, I think it is a myth. I don't know what mythology it's from. I know the Kraken is from Greek mythology, so... Yeah, I think it might be, like, a combination of mythologies, because I want to say there's other mythologies that believe in a Kraken. Because mm. I've seen it come up in a couple other things. Like, there was that uh, animated Sinbad movie from, like, the early oh, 2000s, and there's a, there's a yeah. Kraken scene in that. Not nearly as good as this. But um, no, it's I gotta there. rewatch that. I, I like that movie. I haven't seen it since I think I saw it when I was really little, and then like I've just found clips of it on YouTube randomly. But... The snow owl scene, the edge of the earth with Tartarus. I do remember that scene at the edge of the earth. That's yeah. like the one of the only things I remember from it. Yeah, I think they do kill the kraken in that though. Maybe. I'd I'd have to go back and check. Um, like it's it not nearly as cool as this Kraken, though. Well, it's also animated, Evan. Well, it is well, also animated. I guess both are animated. <laughs> Fair enough, but, speaking. like, this... Well, one thing about this was, like, Dead Man's Chest, I think, at the time was, like... It might have been the biggest budget movie ever. Mm. It's been passed. I know the third one went to $300 million. I think that held it for a while. Pretty sure Endgame and Justice League passed it, but like, like they really took advantage of their budget. 
mm-hmm. with the Kraken and with Davy Jones um, and the crew. Well, not so much the crew, but yeah. Yeah, but well, yeah, I agree. The crew does not look as good. But there was, I was watching the DVD commentary a couple nights ago. And in that scene where they first call the Kraken, so the, the commentary was with the writers, uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Mm-hmm. And they were, when there's that first scene where they call the Kraken, they were like, we had to really fight to keep this in because it shows like all the crew members walking around that thing. And they were like, yeah, it's a really expensive shot for VFX and stuff. Mm. I I think it was worth fighting to keep that shot in because I love the way that they do everything with the Kraken. Do you have anything else to say on the villains? Because if not, I'm going to get into the Kraken here. Uh, no. Okay. So, as I said, I freaking love the Kraken. Like, it's so cool. And the way they expose it, or, like, show it gradually, is probably one of my favorite things about it. Like, that first shot, or not, it's not even a shot of it. Like, they show that fishing boat just disappear, and you don't Mm -hmm. see any of it. So then Gibbs describes it to Will... And is like, well, but nobody knows if it's like actually a thing. And then Will is escaping on that uh, British trader ship. And yeah. they're like, oh, we must have hit a reef. And then it attacks and the ship gets freaking wrecked. Like, yeah. that is an awesome scene. The scene, do you remember the shot of Will trying to swim away and then turning around to see it underwater? Mm-hmm. That's what freaks me out. The fact that you could be in the water out of your element with something as terrifying as that that lives there and is probably just the mf or in charge in the ocean like seeing something so large like i couldn't even swim next to a whale let alone a freaking kraken so would you do a dolphin no you wouldn't do a dolphin not even like uh they have those things where you can like i don't know pay a crap load of money and swim with a dolphin uh I doubt it. Like, I... Sea life freaks me out. Well, there's a lot of things that freak me out, but... I, I don't even like fish being near me when I'm in the water. Like, definitely... I would definitely wouldn't swim with a dolphin in the ocean. Um, That's fair enough. But, like, in a pool, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. I also heard this story. A YouTuber I watched, he was riding a dolphin, paid to swim with dolphins, and... It took him under, and it was, like, going... I think he was, he might have been in the ocean, but he was going, like, further and further down. And he had no idea what the dolphin was doing, but maybe, like... I don't know. Dolphins... There's, like, a... Isn't there, like, a really weird myth where dolphins are believed to have been humans at one point? Like, soul-wise or something like that? I don't know. The only time I've ever heard that is there's one Roll Doll book. I think it's The Witches that, like, has a very brief mention of something like that, but I've never heard of anything aside from that. He said something about the dolphin maybe recognizing him and taking him down into the depths to, like, hey, meet my family and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. The guy lived, obviously. I think it brought him back up. But, like... That would be really scary, though. Yeah, and you have no... Like, you can try and hop off. I don't know how he was on the dolphin. I don't know if he was strapped to it or anything, but, like, you kind of at the dolphin's mercy. Once you're in the water, it's, like, their world, so... 
but that I'm um, back to the shot that that was really freaky. See, and you and you still didn't see like the whole thing. You just saw like the back half of it because all of mm-hmm. its tentacles were out the water, and then the water underneath it is like, yo, what else is in the water? If there's this giant squid top right here, and it's still like super dark, what else is in the water? Yeah, yeah, it it would um. I mean, people still don't go to the beach because of Jaws, so mm-hmm. I'd imagine, like, I don't know if anyone had that reaction to seeing the Kraken in this, but it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. Yeah. Well, also, in that scene with the with the whole first, the first ship getting trashed, the very beginning of the attack is just one guy getting yanked overboard, and then, like, you see it, I think you see like the tentacle come back up out of the water and then the rest of it attacks. That whole scene is awesome. And they actually, I found, found this out from the DVD commentary too. They actually broke a ship when they filmed that. And I guess I'd never really thought about it, but looking back at it, I think you can really see like the practical effects there. Mm. And I think they said they had something, you know, the two huge tentacles that come down and break it. Like, I think they had something physical to, like, simulate those. Damn. It definitely paid off. Like, maybe it was a little more money than they needed for it, but it looks really good. Probably not the best question, but did they film most of this in the ocean? Or it was, like, their studio set up to make it look like the ocean? I think there was some of both. Because a lot of the a lot of the shots in the ocean, like, I, I think the first one, almost everything looked pretty real to me and this one a lot of it did i think they probably used some real ships for this Mm. if if it's cgi or like you know green screen it's really good yeah because there's like a shot of will swimming away from the kraken on like and then he popped up on the piece of like wood i was like yo this looks like they really filmed in the ocean it looks like the actor was really swimming to that, and, like, I would have never signed on for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it made, it made me realize, too, like, there's so few movies that they do in the ocean now, and I, I can see why. Like, I've heard water is incredibly hard to shoot with, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes sense. The next time we see the Kraken is at the end, and I love... That so the, there's the scene where the Dutchman's giving chase to the pearl and the pearl outruns it, mm-hmm. and then I think it's like the hammerhead guy or one of the Dutchman crew is like, "We're giving up," and Davy Jones just smiles and you see them pulling the crank, like, it's simple but it's just it's perfect to me. I love that that's how they did it because you already like and you needed the whole first Kraken scene to do mm-hmm. that, but it pays like it really hits you're just like oh no oh Mm. no and then the whole kraken fight with the pearl like you know they beat it but again like you were saying like how are they gonna stop it in the third one it's so unstoppable Mm -hmm. and they fight it off pretty well but it's only because will kind of knows its tactics a little bit and like even then it the pearl goes down with it and I really, really appreciate that. Like, way back when we talked about A Quiet Place, we were saying, like, how great it was, me and Carla were saying how great it was that the monsters really obey the rules. 
in mm-hmm. that world and aren't like stupid and i think the same holds true for the kraken here like it's never it never does anything that helps the heroes or the people it's trying to kill mm-hmm. like it's full tilt all the time which i i hate it when they don't do that like change the rules yeah well or they make they just make the villain or the monster get all of a sudden it gets lame when the heroes show up mm. smog does that i know you haven't seen the hobbit movies but that's really frustrating or like the suicide squad villain did that oh and she, yeah she's this all-powerful witch person then you know a bunch of people with guns and really weird weapons killer or stopper well but also in that whole scene like i haven't seen it since the theater but i just remember like it just misses everything or like um did you see x-men apocalypse yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah, so i don't think that's as bad of an example but i know people have mentioned like was it really not because he had those sand abilities where he like suffocated those dudes when he first came out and that alone could have killed more than half of the x-men he was fighting in the end that that's exactly what i was gonna say like they're tearing it up at the beginning so you're like oh powerful villain but then the heroes get to him and it's like he levels down or whatever yeah they weren't even really like maybe magneto had one of the best chances but like they weren't really doing anything that could like stop him cyclops his useless self was just shooting him with the laser beam and it's like yo you don't have nothing to counteract the laser beam like you got all these powers <laughs> yeah you're an ancient god essentially and you can't stop a laser beam or metal he has telekinesis. Like, what? Yeah. Which is better than than ferrokinesis. Uh, metal manipulation. But, like, yo. And you got stopped by some steel girders. And who's the one that took him out? Was it Gene? Phoenix Gene? That was a little believable. Phoenix Gene taking him out. Okay. I'll give them that a little bit. I'm not exactly sure if they fought in the comics. They probably have, and I'm not sure who won. But, bro. Yeah. The rest of them doing anything. I'm so glad they took Nightcrawl out of the finale, because he definitely should have died. Quicksilver, what was he about to do? Punch him very fast, because that's all he can do? Like, he has, like, all... Bro. All right, this isn't about... We are definitely going to have to talk about one or two X-Men movies at least someday, though. Yeah. Because I, I like those a lot better than the MCU, and, like, I know you're going to have opinions on them, so we definitely need to do a couple X-Men movies at some point. I don't see the big problem with The Last Stand. I haven't seen that one. Hot I think take. that's the only one I haven't. It's a hot take, because people hated the third one. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so anything else on the Kraken? Nah. Aside from it being the best. <laughs> No. It is the best. So you were saying earlier how, like, it feels incomplete. So this is kind of where we're going to talk about that a little bit. I agree with you that this one is much more interesting and fun to watch than the first one. However, like, there's a lot that I think you can point to in this that's like, eh, they didn't really get it. Or it just, like, not exactly plot holes, but just things that you're like, eh, I don't know, that doesn't really feel quite right. 
so it's like it's far from perfect but i really appreciate it because i think it is more interesting than the first one which was i don't want to call it safe but safer for sure like Mm -hmm. they were making choices in this that i think they wanted to make and they were like all right let's let's just go nuts with this and i i think you can feel that like even if this isn't perfect it's what the writers and gore verbinski as the director wanted they were like this is the pirates movie we wanted to make Mm -hmm. here's a question though because so we've talked before a little bit about like the balance of like having the characters serve your plot or the plot serve your characters which one do you think this is doing more of because i can't really decide plot serving the characters i guess like, I do feel like they're making decisions that they would make as their characters. Like, they're still in character the whole movie. But they're, they're chasing around. Well, one of the things you're gonna, we're going to talk about is MacGuffins. They're all, mm-hmm. like, driven by these items. And it's like, there's no character that doesn't care about them. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of I kind of can't tell either because yeah, there are like I don't feel like there's any point where anyone's doing inconsistent with their character. Mm-hmm. But then again, like there is it does feel sort of incomplete. Like you were saying before, like you get to the end and it's like okay, I don't feel like that's it. And mm-hmm. a- again, like you can tell they're making this knowing there's going to be a third one and maybe they were just like okay, we can't fit all this into one movie, so we're going to break it into two. And there's definitely things that you can tell they're, like, moving the characters through the story so that they can, like, get them to these couple points. Like, the Ila Crusades scene, like, they really wanted that Ila Crusades three-way fight scene. Yeah. Like, once they get there, they're just like, okay, we, we messed around with everything we wanted, but we really are going to go all in on this. I feel like maybe... Elizabeth kissing Jack was out of character for her. Like, she kind of teased... She teased him at first, and I was like, oh, okay, good. So she didn't... And then she kissed him to handcuff him to the ship. I feel like that was kind of not what she would do. Like, she doesn't consider herself a pirate still, right? Or does she? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like, it's not out of character exactly but it is like i think you could call it as an as an inconsistency that whole like tension between them and like making the love triangle between her will and jack like that felt that didn't feel right for it like although again as we mentioned last time like will and elizabeth have no chemistry (laughs) and that that has not changed one bit in this one like I think they get maybe, like... They, they don't even have that much screen time together. Yeah, There's more time developed with Will and Bootstrap, Bill's relationship, than and theirs. And Jack and Elizabeth. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, that's a bit of a weak point. But I still appreciate that, like, they were making bold choices. I agree that that wasn't the most character-consistent thing for them to do. But I do like that it it gives us the surprising ending where Jack dies. Well, we know he's not dead. We do know he's not dead, yeah. And of course you needed that beat at the end. I think that was the main thing I noticed when we we talked about Infinity War. I think I mentioned this as like a comparison where 
you need that moment at the end where they're they're like all right we're gonna go get jack again because i don't think there was that guarantee that there would be another one Mm -hmm. whereas with infinity war you were like okay of course there's gonna be another one of these yeah so they could kind of leave it as it was knowing there was gonna be another one after infinity war did not change my saltiness like I thought the they were supposed to make cuz they changed the title it was supposed to be Infinity War Part 1 Infinity War Part mm-hmm. 2 and I'm going in thinking okay they changed the title and it's no longer going to be called Part 1 and Part 2 so this should be a movie on its own a movie on its own in itself you know maybe there'll be a different villain in the next Avengers one next year and then when Thanos got to the sunset and everybody was dusted, I was like, and then the credits roll, I was like, wait, what? That, you know, I was initially just pissed off. I was like, yo, what was that? That movie was, they didn't win. The movie was incomplete. Like, normally I don't care about the heroes winning or losing. But in that moment when it wasn't what I was expecting because... They changed what the movies were supposed to be, supposedly. Maybe it was because I, like, felt lied to or something, you know? Like, it was false advertising. Maybe, but, like, do you feel like... I mean, I know you still like Infinity War despite that, but do you feel like it would have benefited from an ending like this has, where they do kind of have that, like, spark of hope at the end? Yes. I feel like it would have worked. Really? Yeah. I, I kind of think they were they both work for what they are, but I mean. Oh, you mean I, like I if that. if there was like the Avengers saying, "Okay, we got a way to go back," like some like, yeah yeah. Oh no 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 no. Oh, okay. I like the way Infinity War ended. Now, as opposed okay. to my initial reaction. I mean, I knew Jack wasn't because I'm older. Also, I know Jack wasn't permanently dead because you don't. He's on the covers of the other movies, so yeah. Yeah, I didn't need that, but maybe that was for, like, the younger audience who thought he was dead. Yeah, well, I think it's also that you have... I feel like that might have been a studio thing, too, because maybe they did want to end it, like, cold, just like Jack's dead. Oh, no, what's going to happen now? And then they come out with the third, but Mm -hmm. when you've only got one movie behind it... Yeah. It really does, I think, show so much trust in this team, though, because, like, you know, sometimes you'll make a sequel to something, but it it does kind of tank. And, like, it doesn't work great. And I think it shows a lot of faith from Disney in these creators that, like, they were like, yeah, we'll give you more than $500 million plus to make two of the biggest movies ever because we think, yeah, it's going to work. We trust them. Mm -hmm. And not to say that you don't see that anymore, but it's... Like, you never see people taking a... Maybe it's not a risk, but it it's not a super safe choice either. Yeah. You have to have something behind what you're doing in order to get that amount of money. Like, some mm-hmm. sort of... Normally, it's just uh, you have to have material that sold crazy on its own beforehand. Yeah, like a, even, even like a book. Yeah, pre-established material. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, like, studios should still do that because, of course, like stuff flops like i think i think a wrinkle in time was something like that where they put a ton of money and it had a built-in fan base and it just tanked because mm. I, I guess it wasn't good i didn't see it but i i didn't hear any good things about it mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's it's surprising, I think, in today's context that literally like the two biggest movies ever at the time and still probably in like the top 20 biggest budget movies ever now like they had a lot of trust in these guys Mm -hmm. i didn't really have anything else with this but if we want to transition into MacGuffins, sure for for those who don't know what a MacGuffin is like this movie's a good example but like the example I always go back to is the rabbit's foot in Mission Impossible 3. It's just, like, something that the plot revolves around that everyone's going after. It's, like, a powerful object, just as a definition for those who don't know. And this, I think, no matter how you slice it, has too many MacGuffins. I feel pretty confident saying that. Yeah. Like, by my count, there's anywhere from four to seven MacGuffins in this movie, which either one of those numbers is too high. <laughs> yep. Because you've got you've got the key, the heart, the compass, and the letters of Mark. That's at minimum you've got those. And then you could say the chest itself, separate from the heart, is a MacGuffin. And at that point, even the jar of dirt is a MacGuffin. And at that point, even the hundred souls are a MacGuffin. Yeah. Some of those are a little bit of liberal interpretations of what a MacGuffin is. But, like, that's a lot of MacGuffins moving around. And, like, that Ila Crusade scene, I think at least six of them are in play. That's that's the island scene? Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I keep calling it that, because, yeah, that's just... I, that's I what think it was called. That. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene, it's just, like, every MacGuffin's moving around everywhere. Like, and I think, again, I think that's what they wanted, but, like, if they wanted to, they, they could have cut down on the MacGuffins in this. It wouldn't be a problem if somebody would just eat them, like, egg MacGuffins. <laughs> from McDonald's. I feel like someone has asked me if that's what a MacGuffin is at some point when I've mentioned it. Like Egg MacGuffin. <laughs> egg MacGuffin. Yeah. Wait, the... Sausage, egg, and cheese MacGuffin. We should totally try to put that in something. If someone wants to steal this idea from us, like, make a MacGuffin that is a McDonald's food um, item. Oh my god. That would be a lot of fun. The McMuffin MacGuffin? The McMuffin McGuffin. They that that should be a thing in some there's there's some movie where that should work. Deadpool three. Yes. The the McMuffin McGuffin. Mm, yes. And they can refer to it as McGuffin because, you know, he breaks the fourth wall, so Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be the best to do it, but if there's anything out there right now that could do it, I think Deadpool's the one that would go for that. Yes. So did you feel like the McGuffins dragged this down? Or were you kind of okay with it? It made me think of the first movie a lot because of the coins. The coins were the MacGuffin in the first one. And it's like, does every movie of these need a MacGuffin? And they added six more, Evan. They added six more MacGuffins. Yep, and, like, and there are more coming in the third one. We don't need all of this. <laughs> I know you're trying to add to your pirate mythos and all this stuff, but, like, Relax. You don't need these. It's a lot of McMuffins to go around. Like, we don't... It was a lot. It was a lot. And you were trying to... I was trying to keep track of who had what. And I... You you heard me at the beginning of this. I forgot that Norrington even gave the heart. I was like, oh. Right. Wait, so who ended up with the chest? Like, yo. Like, nobody trying to keep track of all this. Right, because there's another 20 minutes that it spends away from that whole thing. Like... Mm-hmm. Because until, like, the jar of dirt drops on the 
ship like even then davy jones still thinks that jack has the heart it's like because i think the thing is too like the chest and the the jar of dirt are like false macguffins at that point but the characters are still treating them like real ones Mm -hmm. so it gets all sorts of messy yeah it's too much and again i think it's what they wanted though like did you did you see rise of skywalker i didn't i didn't finish last jedi though so i know what happens in it well, last kind of. For better or for worse, you don't really need to have seen Last Jedi to see Rise of Skywalker. I'm not gonna get into it because I, I know about who's what in that movie. Okay, I'm not gonna recommend that you go see Rise of Skywalker, but I was I was asking because that's a movie that also has too many MacGuffins. I think by count of literal ones, you there's less than Dead Man's Chest, but. The way they used them there was like, it felt like any time they didn't know what to do with the plot, it was like, throw in a MacGuffin and throw in another character. But that aside, like, it didn't work for me there, but like, and again, there are too many MacGuffins in this, but it sort of works here. Like, you think? It's not perfect. I'm not gonna, I will unequivocally say there are too many MacGuffins in this, and that's probably gonna hold true for the third one too. But there are some things that, like, make these MacGuffins a little bit better, I think, than other ones. The fake-out MacGuffins at least make it a little more interesting. Much more confusing, for sure. So it's not necessarily a good thing, but there's at least intention behind them. Like, Mm -hmm. once you figure out everything that happens, you're like, okay, I see why that's there. It's messy, but it has a purpose, Mm -hmm. at least. Like, there's a little bit of symbolism in a couple of them. Davy Jones tearing out his heart and putting it somewhere else as, like, a fear of death. That's stupid. You could say that, but then again, like, that does make him more difficult to kill. You know, because you need, like, all these checkpoints. You need to get the key from him, which he keeps on his person at all times, and then you gotta get the chest and... He keeps on what person? He... I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um... There's a little bit of, like, it's not just, like, like a flash drive MacGuffin, where it's just, like, this computer code will destroy the world. It's, like, there's a little bit of, like, I'm just gonna say it, there's a little heart to that MacGuffin. You get no respect from me for that one. I wasn't looking for it. I knew that was not gonna earn me any points. No, you just, you disappointed me. You disappointed me, and the pun squad, Evan, what have you done? I... I'm gonna need your badge... I will and and your and your puns. I will apologize to the pun squad for that. It is mm-hmm. it is pretty lame as they as puns go. Pun packed. Well, you might not like this one that much either because the next thing I was gonna say is that like oh. the compass, which is a MacGuffin, is this is not a pun necessarily, but it literally is a moral compass. There's a symbolism to it. I thought you were going to say they were going to go the wrong direction with it. Oh, no. No, that would have been pretty bad. <laughs> um, no, but, like, it is it is literally a moral compass. It points to what's important to you. It's literally taking your priorities heart. and giving them, like, a giving you a way to pursue them. It points to the heart, right? No, it points to the thing you want most. Oh. Yeah. What's the point of it then? What is it? Well, because... So here's the thing. And this was something else I heard on the DVD commentary. So in the first movie, they originally were going to just have 
the compass point to the island with the treasure. And that was all it was supposed to do. Then at the beginning of this one, when Elizabeth is like threatening Beckett, she's like, that's only going to lead you there. It's not going to do you any good. And he says, oh, you think it only leads there. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty quick. So I'm not surprised that you didn't pick this up. But Jack, I think, says like, this points to the thing you want most. And that's part of why they're like not quite sure if it works because he's having to manipulate her. He's like, you want to save Will. So you want to you want to find the heart because that's what's going to save him. She's like, all right, cool. It's a little bit simple, but and that's not even really a MacGuffin for most of it. But initially, that's what Beckett wants. So it's the first MacGuffin that's introduced. But at least it's something that like has a bit of there's something there that it's not just a powerful thing. It kind of plays into a theme a bit. Ew. So does it make things messier? Maybe. Well, if you have a whole bunch of McMuffins all over the place, it's probably not going to be very clean. Very greasy. Maybe, yeah. I'm guessing. Very greasy. Yes. But any, anyway, like I think the MacGuffins in this, I don't know if they make it better or worse, but they're certainly a factor. Uh huh. I guess just as like one more thing with it, like the one hundred souls hardly becomes a MacGuffin at all. Oh yeah. What was the point in that? Yeah, that was in for like one scene. So that was kind of a fake out MacGuffin a little bit. Because I think I remember at the the first time I saw this at the end of the movie, I was like, wait, didn't he have to like get a hundred people yeah. and kill them? Like what happened to that? It's not good in some ways that they introduce that, but it does play into Jack's arc, which we'll we'll get into next. Did you have anything else to say about the MacGuffins? Nope. Okay. So we've been poking some holes in this, but for the last topic, the one thing that I think this movie does really well is Jack's arc. So in the first one, we were kind of saying like, you know, he's not a bad guy exactly. He's not really hurting anyone. And I really like that this one takes his opportunism and selfishness from the first movie and gives it some consequences. The question throughout it is, how much is Jack willing to hurt other people and let them die so that he can live? Mm -hmm. And the whole time he's, you know, that first scene with the cannibal island, he lets almost his entire crew die because... He's afraid of the Kraken. And sure, he didn't know that was going to happen when they went there, but it does. So, And he doesn't really have to own up to that exactly. But he also lets, lets them die because, you know, he's afraid to get eaten or killed by the tribe. Yeah, that too. And they tried to do that anyway. Yeah, and of course, we didn't, we didn't see how that happens, so... Maybe there was more that went on there where he did allow all of, like, he was literally Mm. faced with a choice to, like, let them be killed or not. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. So there's a a possibility of that, too. They couldn't show that. They couldn't show Jack be that evil. Yeah, they can't, because, like, if... Then who do you root for? Yeah, that would have been a deal breaker. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of whether he actually had to decide that or not. But it is, it is kind of a important question to whether he did or not but even so like he doesn't tell gibbs what they're running from initially 
So they're all like going on land and they don't know why. Mm. I think that plays into it a bit. And then throughout like most of the second act, he's manipulating Will and Elizabeth to go and do what he wants for him. He sends Will on board the Dutchman. And I don't know if if you feel the same, but I think he is initially hoping there. Like, of course, he wouldn't mind if Will got away with the key and everything like that would kind of be the best case scenario but i think he's partly hoping that he can just send will in his place and be like one for one Mm -hmm. you the debt is settled yeah like he seems totally okay with having will do that yeah yeah and davy jones even calls him out on it he's like i don't know can you live with this like you're gonna let a hundred people or even just one die for you and he's like yep i'm good with it so maybe that's just buying time yeah i sometimes when he makes decisions like that i don't completely believe him like i know he's supposed to be a pirate and all but because he's like the beloved character of the series i'm not completely believing he's willing to leave these people alone to die and stuff like that but i think that's what makes his arc in this so great is that he's struggling with that the whole time like he lets a lot of people die from the beginning and granted we aren't really emotionally invested in anyone who does die there Mm -hmm. but then later you know at the very end with the kraken attack he leaves and he's just out and leaves without trying to save anyone else and then like his arc is complete when he goes back Mm -hmm. so i really like that because the whole time he's like he's acting in his own interest and he's letting everyone else suffer for it but at the end he realizes that's not who he is and he can't actually you you could argue he doesn't want the pearl to take to be taken down but i think there's a stronger argument that he doesn't want to let his crew down there Mm. like he can't take that guilt or whatever I really appreciated that they did that because despite everything else, like, I think he does have a strong through line and is forced into tough decisions with that throughout and really does have a, like, you could call it an arc. It may not be like a full 180 change, but by the end, he's he's shown that he selfishness is not his only strategy. It's not the only thing he cares about. Mm-hmm. So... In that sense, I I really appreciate what they did with it. Yes. Did you have anything else on that? Nope. He ain't dead. He's probably just living inside the Kraken hole. Because hmm. they didn't actually show him die. They never could. So if a character does not die on screen, then they are most likely not dead. That's the lesson of today. I concur with that completely. However, I am going to tell you, he really is dead. Nope. They, like, he's going to be back in the next one, but he really is dead at the end of this movie. Oh, you mean, like, not in the stomach? He's just... You mean he was, like, torn apart by the teeth? Yeah, like, he... The Kraken kills him at the end. Oh, shoot. He is as dead as the snapped characters in Infinity War. Oh, so they're, like, gonna reanimate him or something. Yes, you'll see what they do. Oh. But he's... He really is dead. I thought he was just swallowed whole like Lord Farquaad from Shrek. Yeah, but, I mean, he's dead in that, too. Is he? He doesn't come back in any of the other ones. Is he? I mean, yeah. I still have hope that 
our Lord and Savior Farquaad is out there somewhere. I haven't seen the fourth one, Evan. Maybe he's in the fourth one. He's not. He's not. Evan, how could you do... No, he has to be in the fourth one. It should be called Shrek 4, Farquaad. I mean... Because it's the fourth movie. I don't know what to tell you. It's not. (laughs) Evan, you leave the short Lord alone, all right? He's in our hearts, at least. I mean, sure, he he can be alive in our hearts if you want, but that... That won't change much else. It would have been messed up if you said he can be alive in our hearts if you want, but he's not alive in the stomach of the dragon. Yeah. Man, you messed up. Sorry. Okay, screw the lesson of the day with the character off-screen thing. The lesson of the day is Farquaad rules over you all. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> wasn't what I was expecting us to take away from this, but if you want... <laughs> Screw pirates, screw everything else. Farquaad is your lord now, and it is time for you to um, pay homage or something. That's the lesson. I have loyalty right. to other villains. So Write that down. Farquaad is not a villain. What do you mean, Evan? He is an anti-hero at worst. I think maybe we need to continue <laughs> to our <laughs> Shrek episode if this is going to be a debate. Uh- <laughs> no, no, I'm completely kidding. I... I just went off the rails. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you have any other notes at all? It went a lot faster than I thought it would for two. When I saw the beginning, I was like, oh my god, two and a half hours. But it didn't feel like that. Well, yeah, not really. Yeah, it has a it has a pretty good energy that like keeps it going throughout. Like There's some slow moments, but it, you're never bored, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, one thing I meant to ask last time have you ever seen the lonely island jack sparrow song or heard this it? is a tale yes captain jack sparrow yes i was i wanted to know if that was part of your prior knowledge not that it tells you anything but like that is that is an iconic part of this series Seven that's that's such a fun video though island tortuga yeah, that's that's such a great video. Goes from clubbing the pirates. <laughs> if that's all, we can just move on to the boilerplate. So you have you don't have anything else to say about it? Wait, you mentioned something about improv? Oh, just a little bit. Yeah, like there was a bit in the script where it felt like they were kind of letting. They didn't actually say like we're gonna just let Johnny Depp improv here, but it felt like they were allowing for it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that seems like... I didn't read the script for the first one, but that felt like a bit of a difference from one to the other. I mean, they have more trust in everybody, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and especially because he was, like, so pivotal to the success of the first one. They were mm-hmm. like, we need to just let him be him. And eventually, in, like, the fourth and I heard the fifth one, they were just like, this isn't working anymore. But he was still going pretty strong in this one. So if that's all for Pirates 2, we'll just do some quick boilerplate notes. Our next episode is going to be Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1. Yes. Evan's never seen it. Well, did you finish it? I did finish. Yeah, yep, yep. It is much better than probably any other kid show I've ever seen. You're damn right. You're damn right. Yeah. It's really good. You're damn right. So yeah, I still haven't seen season two because we're gonna we're gonna hold off that until we talk about one. But it's 
I'm excited for season two. You're damn right. So, yeah, we've got that, and then we're going to finish out this with At World's End after that. And we're also probably going to have a conversation pretty soon about the MPAA ratings. I don't know exactly when that's going to be happening, but... Um, ratings are weird. Rating... <sighs> Dude, you don't even know. Like, I've, I've been looking into it. There is... There's some I got... really weird specifics. Like, one F-bomb per PG-13 movie. Well, if they... Like, what? What is that? How? We are going to get into all of that. There's... There's a lot. Yeah, that's going to be coming up. So otherwise, you can like us on Facebook, rate and review on iTunes, send in comments, questions, suggestions, requests to intanalysis18 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at intanalysis18. You can follow me on Twitter at Davos Watson. And where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Jelani T. Kelly. Follow me on Instagram at BasedPhoenix. And I am on Twitch at JBasedPhoenix. Also buy my book, Descended Awakening, on yep. Amazon. On Twitch, I just started gaming, my gaming content. So I'm doing the hour writing a day. And then after, like at like 9.30 every night, I'm doing uh, some sort of game. I'm, I'm playing through Outlast 2 right now. I've never played through a horror game. It's very spooky. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Peace, y'all.